The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. This is Eastern North Carolina's longest sports radio show. The Brian Bailey Show is on the air. The Brian Bailey Show is powered by Greenville Utilities and also brought to you by Angus Grill, Bostick Sug Furniture, Bojangles, East Coast Grady, Papa John's, The Gavigan Agency, Pepsi, Seared Chop House, Tap Tap and Hagler, Tiebreakers, and Greenville Auto World. And now, here's Brian Bailey. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome into our show. We are jam-packed today. We're going to tip it off with Joe Dooley, the head basketball coach in East Carolina, as his Pirates get set for the American Athletic Conference Basketball Tournament down in Fort Worth, Texas. The Pirates will take on Cincinnati in their first game, and that's coming up on Thursday. So we'll tip it off with Coach Dooley. Then we'll talk state championship basketball. The girls coach at Farmville Central, Hollis Harper, has his girls in the state championship game for a fourth straight year. We'll talk to Coach Harper, then We'll switch it over to the boys' side at Farmville with Larry Williford. His boys are going for a fourth consecutive state championship. So we'll talk state championship hoops coming up. And then later in our show, Kirk Kraft joins us to talk East Carolina Pirate Tracks. We've got plenty to come on the Brian Bailey Show. Hang on. We'll tip off your sports week on this Monday. Coming up after this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities, providing reliable utility solutions to the Greenville region since 1905. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back on this Monday. Big baseball weekend from this past weekend as the Pirates take three in the Keith LeClaire Classic, and the Pirates look like the Pirates of old in baseball. East Carolina basketball, the Pirate women open play in the tournament coming up this afternoon. The Pirate men will open up on Thursday at 1 o'clock. East Carolina is the number nine seed at 15 and 4. 14, 6 and 11 in the American Cincinnati, 17 and 14, 7 and 11. The Bearcats, the 8th seed, the Pirates, the 9th seed. And head coach Joe Julie joins us now to kind of preview the first round matchup. Coach, how are you on this Monday? I'm good, Brian. How are you? Not too bad. All right. You guys get a chance at Cincinnati. You had a couple of good games with the Bearcats this past season. You know, what are you looking for as far as this first round matchup? Well, they've obviously got good, you know, the kid Mike Adams, Will Woods really hurt us, especially the second uh, game. Played really well against us. To Julius is a, you know, an old league caliber player, and uh, they've got good balance. That you know, Jeremiah Davenport has had a really good year, uh, sophomore from up in Cleveland, from up in Cincinnati. So very balanced. They struggled a little bit lately. Uh, you know, had a little bit of a rough stretch. Had a lot of road games, but uh, very, very tough team. When you look at the games against East Carolina this year for Cincinnati, January 12th, Pirates fell 79-71. Vance Jackson, and he had two really good games against the Bearcats. But in that first matchup, you guys trailed by 20 at halftime, and you cut that lead down to five. Almost came all the way back, didn't you? Yeah, we we, we played much better in the second half. We got a little momentum towards the half, I think, uh, between their pressure and transition defense. Uh, they put us on our heels in the first half once we got acclimated. Uh, I thought we did a much better job. You know, we, we, we were better prepared, and I thought that the uh, the guys sort of stood up and fought a little bit. When you see a guy like Vance Jackson have a night like that, what are you thinking? Well, I mean, I think the big thing is, uh, you no, know, a lot of these deals are matchups in mean, any sport, and I think he's got a decent matchup against a couple of these guys. Now we have some trouble on the defensive end because they do play big. Uh, Koval and those guys are big-bodied guys, and, uh, Odio Ogama is, is a, you know, 6'10", 6'11", he plays to four or something. I think being able to move Vance around, uh, use him in, in the post against some smaller post guys and move him out on the perimeter against some bigger post guys, it's just been, you know, it's been a matchup for him. 
and then you guys come back and, and at home on January 30th, fall 60 to 59. And, and I, I remember it very well when we talked about it on the coaches show, that last play, you get the stop and then DeJulius gets the offensive rebound, the stick back with three seconds left. And you were, you were explaining a rotational rebound. Explain that to everybody. Well, the problem really started up top. I mean, one of the freshman guards got on the wrong side of DeJulius. DeJulius came, uh, got on the side, and then when he went to get back in the play, instead of get on DeJulius' left shoulder, got on the play shoulder, uh, we were forced to help with, with the big guy. And uh, because we were still calling the wrong side of him, when the ball was shot, it kicked to the other side. And our, our guy, if he was in the right position, would have been on his left side. And instead he was on his right side, so when the ball kicked off, he was behind, and DeJulius was able to go get it. Uh, now that being said, Tristan Newton just missed hitting it. Um, he, you know, Tristan almost tipped it out, uh, just missed it and almost got it and almost blocked it from behind. But those are things that at the end of the game, you know, you can't get caught on the wrong side of guys and, uh, you know, you got to get back in the play and make, make a block out. And DeJulius made a really good play pursuing the ball and then put it in, unfortunately. And Vance Jackson in that game had 25 points and 10 rebounds. So you got to think as you head down to Fort Worth, that Vance Jackson's kind of, you know, he, he's kind of fired up because he's had two really good games against the Bearcats. Yeah, you would think so, but you're also, you know, my guess is, you know, Wes Miller knows what he's doing, too, and he's going to say, I might want to try to guard this guy a little bit better. So uh, they'll have a couple different wrinkles. We'll have to have a couple different things for to, to counter it with. So, you know, there'll, there'll be some, you know, some, uh, some, some pieces moving that we'll have to figure out as well as they do. Been a lot of talk in college basketball, Coach, about the handshake lines of late. And uh, I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but the Duke-Carolina game, uh, some of the Duke assistants kind of blew off Hubert Davis, and there's been a big stink about that. Do you do you like the handshake lines? And the second part of the question is, is it traditional for the visiting team to come down and shake hands with the home team before the game, or is it vice versa? Because I think I've seen you go down and shake hands with the guys from the, vis- you know, the visiting team a lot of times. Which is traditional there? I just thought if you know if you were out there first, they came and saw you. And if you were out there, if they were out there first when you came out, you walked down there to them. That's the way I've always learned it. But uh, I mean, we, we talk about teaching uh, character, and you talk about teaching sportsmanship, and then you know, I mean, everybody makes a big deal, which unfortunately does happen—a big deal about what happens in the, in the you know the handshake lines. But if you look at the percentage of games that. Things don't happen. My guess is it's less than one percent of the games. There's an incident, uh, which is a very small number. I mean, obviously, you don't want anything to happen. When you look at the grand scheme of things, you know, what are you teaching these kids? You know, are you teaching them how to act? Are you teach them how to be sports? You know, to be, be mature. Um, so I don't think that a, that a dust up should, um, you know, should should call. I mean, in, you know, you see it happens. And whenever it happens, it's, it makes the you know sports center for about ten minutes and. Uh, about two days later, everybody forgets about it. But And it says something that, you know, when you play your heart out the whole game, nobody wants to lose. I mean, nobody goes on that court, you know, to lose that basketball game. But when you do lose, it takes a man to look somebody in the eye and say, hey, nice game, you played really well, you know, you beat us this night. You know, it's just, there's just something missing from the fabric of our society when we say, hey, let's just don't go through the lines anymore. Because, I mean, that's that's part of the game. Well, Brian, I mean, you watch – boxing or you watch UFC and these guys beat each other's brains out for, for 20 minutes and then they hug for five minutes after the, after the, the fighting. I mean, it's not like, you know, I think, you know, when they're, when they're at the end of the fight, they hug each other, give each other, you know, show respect for each other. I mean, that's a little bit more physical, a little bit more, uh, 
you know, violent than, than you know, maybe a guy hits you on with an illegal screen. You know, you think you get kicked in the head at least. Pirates in Cincinnati coming up. Talk about the health of your ball club. Uh, is everybody available now? I know you've had some some l- little nagging issues. Well, I mean, the JJ was on un- was unable to play in the second half of the game. He was sick. You know, he got sick Friday night. He tried to play on Saturday. Played a couple minutes, and then did did not feel well. And was, you know, they had to send him to the locker room, and he was able to come back out in the second half. And uh, was not feeling well yesterday. Hopefully, we'll give him another day and try to. Uh, it, it's you know, hopefully it's just some food poisoning or something. Hopefully we'll get them back out there, you know, sometime tomorrow. Alexis is, you know, a day-to-day deal. We'll see how he's feeling. Uh, and when everybody else is bumped and bruised, like everybody has this time of year. So those other things just aren't anything pretty, you know, peculiar. Pirates in Cincinnati, 1 o'clock tip on Thursday. Uh, talk about Dickey's Arena a little bit in Fort Worth. What's it like playing there? It's a good facility. I mean, they've got, you know, they've got uh, almost brand new. Uh, they play a game or two uh, in there during, you know, during the off season, you know, during the preseason. Uh, I do think they have a lot of events. I think concerts, um, you know, great LED boards. Uh, I think they have some rodeo stuff out there. Obviously, that's a, a big rodeo area. They've got a lot of stockyards right out behind it. So uh, it's virtually very, very brand new and a really good atmosphere for for an AAC. All right, and what's it going to take to uh, beat Cincinnati in that first game, Coach? Well, we've, we've got to rebound the ball and get back in transition. I, I think, you know, we had problems the last game. Mike Adams Woods really hurt us. Uh, we didn't do a great job of, of paying attention to scattering for his left hand, and he got out of his left hand three times in the first half. And, uh, I think the second part is we got to get back in transition. That's one of the sneaky things about them. They are a very good transition offense. All right, Thursday, 1 o'clock, Cincinnati and East Carolina. Being in that 8-9 game puts you against the top seed in the second game. And I'm not even going to ask you about Houston. But but really, when you look at the challenge of a tournament, you've played in enough tournaments to know that every year we see a team that gets hot and pulls off a stunning upset or pulls, you know, runs the table through there. And this East Carolina team, I mean, you've got the, the parts to maybe put something like that together, don't you? Well, I think the big thing is, you know, there's a million different scenarios, and obviously you got to get past Cincinnati, but, uh, you know, Houston's already in the tournament, and they're playing for seeding. You know, you've got Memphis and SMU are trying to make sure they get themselves or stay in the tournament. So there's a lot of different mindsets, and there's people that are trying to steal the automatic bid. So I think those things all factor in. I mean, Houston, I mean, I've had new up, you know, they're anywhere from probably a three, three to a five seed. Um, so, you know, you know, those are all factors, but the big thing is for us is worry about, you know, worry about Cincinnati. If you get hot, you're hoping, you know, you can't get hot if you don't win the first one. Got to win the first one. Coach, thanks so much for your time. I know you guys are leaving tomorrow for Fort Worth, so best of luck to those Pirates in the American Athletic Conference Tournament. Thanks so much for your time today. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. All right, that's Joe Dooley, the head basketball coach at East Carolina. His Pirates take on the Bearcats of Cincinnati Thursday at 1 o'clock, the tip-off play in the American Athletic Conference Tournament. As we said, the Pirate women play this afternoon at 4 o'clock, so they open their tournament play coming up later on today. All right, we're going to switch gears a little bit, talk high school basketball. Coming up next, Hollis Harper. He's the Farmville Central girls coach for the fourth straight year. His young ladies will play for a state championship. We'll talk to Coach Harper later on. Larry Williford joins us. His boys are going after a four Fourth straight state title, and then Kirk Kraft after that. All right, back with more of the Brian Bailey Show on a busy Monday after this. 
You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities. Community-owned, community-powered. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back on this busy Monday, talking more basketball now. Let's talk Farmville Central basketball, because the Jaguars know how to play some basketball, both the ladies and the men, most certainly. Let's go talk about the girls first. Farmville Central's Lady Jaguars knocked off St. Paul 75-36 on Saturday, and they head to their fourth straight state championship. Matchup. They will play Salisbury. Salisbury is 27 and one on the season, and they will tip that baby off at 12 noon at the Dean Dome coming up Saturday afternoon. And Hollis Harper, their fine coach, joins us. Coach Harper, first of all, congratulations! Another regional championship for your ladies, right? Yes, sir. Thank you a lot. When you look at this this team that you have this year, obviously led by Amaya Joyner, but but did you expect it to go back to the state championship when you guys started? You know, back in uh, I guess November. No, sir. We just patched up a whole lot of pieces and whatnot, came together as a group, and uh, we worked hard to get back to the where we are now. Amaya finished with 30 points, 11 rebounds, and four blocks in the win over St. Paul's. She's going to be a pirate, which is good news for our women's basketball fans at East Carolina. Uh, talk about her game a little bit. How good can she be? Oh, she can be real good. Um, she can play on the offensive end and defensive end. Um, she just settle down and play her game. Uh, we'll be fine. Um, you have a girl that sits probably sits five that can average almost. 10 to 15 points a game, um, and then on offensive end, on defensive end, can block shots. Um, she's a very good player. And then you look at another young lady on your team, Journey McDaniel. She had 19 points, 14 rebounds, and five assists in the win over St. Paul's. She's an outstanding player as well. Yes, sir. Um, she's have an all-around game too, and both of them together um, makes our team, you know, very, very unique with all the pieces that we have. And you, them two play together, and all the other people that play together will be a great team this year. Farmville Central at 27 and 4, taking on Salisbury at 27 and 1. Salisbury beat Shelby by a single point, 45 44, for the girls' West Regional Final. What do you know about Salisbury, coach? No, sir, I don't know nothing about them. Um, I just know about the record. Um, I've seen them, they have a good guard play. Um, I really don't know too much about them. Will, will you get tape beforehand, though? At some point this week? Yes, sir. Yeah. Tape on. Get a chance to look at. How much practicing do you guys do, you know, in preparing? Because obviously you've practiced and practiced and practiced, and, you know, you get a little time off this week, you know, with with the entire week since the regional finals. But but, uh, how much practicing do you do this week? Uh, We'll practice four days this week. We'll practice hard. We'll practice Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, Shoot around on Friday and get ready for the game, sir. What do you think it's going to be like for the ladies when they walk into the Smith Center on Saturday? Well, I'll be honest with you. Uh, they should be used to it. We done been there three times in a row to the state championship or going to the Dean Smith Center. Uh, it's a great place to go to, but we should be prepared to be ready to go. Do they tell you, you know, in those other three trips that, that the depth, you hear a lot about that when, when you haven't played in a big arena like that, that when you're shooting that the depth perception can be off a little bit. Did the girls say anything like that? Yes, sir. It's always like that. When you're playing in a big college, um, you're shooting around different from high schools. It's a little different. So we're going to have to come around and try to do some practice and shoot around a little more. 
when you played St. Paul's this past week, you got off to a good start, but man, you blitzed them uh, in the third quarter, outscoring them by 20 at 29-9. You know, at what point on Saturday did you say, and maybe it was early because you, you led 16-5 after the first quarter, but did you know that, hey, this is going to be a good day for the Jaguars? Oh, yes. When, when they went out there and they started playing and we made them turn the ball over and everybody had a feel of the game, uh, you could look at your team. And um, I felt it was going to be a good game. You know, everybody played good and we came up with a win. I hadn't heard anything from the fans. I, I really thought it was unfortunate that all of your fans had to make that trip to Lee County. Uh, all the boys, you know, the, the fans of the boys team for the Jaguars had to go all the way to Lee County. Uh, I think the North Carolina High School League missed a boat on, on how they did that. But uh, you guys had a big crowd. I mean, people didn't seem to mind, did they? No, no, sir. One thing about Farm, well, Farm would support one another, you know. And um, if you take notes, all the years that Farm played basketball or whatnot, the fans are coming. So the ride ain't going to make too much of a difference of going to support the girls and the boys' basketball team. All right, if you guys scrimmage the boys' team, how would you do? Uh, they're too big. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but your girls would battle them, wouldn't they? <laughs> yes, sir, they'll battle. All right, what what do you have to do this week in preparation for a state championship game? I mean, obviously, you know, you've been through the wars and that kind of thing, and you said how much you're going to practice, but what, what about the mental side of this thing? Well, you you, you have to be focused. Um, it's going to be a lot of things going on this week. They have to be focused, um, letting them know that, hey, we have another game. It ain't nothing more playing around, nothing like that. Everything's got to be a little bit more serious. Uh, it's a different game. Uh, just have to prepare them. They don't know what Salisbury have, what we have to go in and keep playing Farm Central basketball, and um, hopefully we come out on the win. I had a chance to coach uh, girls when my daughter was coming through, and, and I could tell you story after story about some of the things that they come up with. Uh, it, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, you know, boys and girls are just different, and, and it's almost a different type of coaching style, isn't it? Yes, sir. From a, from a man point of view, it is. Uh, you have ladies that go through different things in life, and you have to adjust to it. Um, boys that go out there and they just play. Um, you have to be can't be so hard on young girls all, all the time. You got to get on and get off of them because you know girls will break down on you. But the girls that I have this year, uh, you just have to learn how to work with them and adjust to them, and you'll be fine. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. I think I learned as much from them as they learned from me in coming along. I mean, it's just a, you know, but there's a curve there that you first have to figure out. You know, you have to figure out which buttons to push, I think. Don't you think? Yes, sir. There's certain people that can take it. Um, like you say, uh, girls are a little different. Um, you can get on some of the girls and they can take, uh, they can take the criticism and they can go and then boys can take it all the time. But girls, you got to know how to push them, get off of them and back away and, that's the only thing about girls. I've been doing that over 12 years, and I know who to push and not to push, and they'll step me as the road, and we'll go from there. Yeah, obviously you've done a great, great job getting that team back to a fourth straight state championship. You, you know, you haven't been able to win each one of those games. Does does that get into their minds a little bit that, hey, we, we've gotten there again, but we have to get over the top? I mean, you, you know, do you worry about that at all? Well, you know, I have my things. Amaya Jordan, she was talking about it. Uh, you have Jeremy McDaniel that was talking about it. You had Willoughby that was talking about it. Some of the girls have been going in the head that we had got there. Um, I had them girls for four years, and them girls keep saying, we got there, we got there, we got to win. But the, but the whole point is keeping their mindset, being focused, and we go there and take care of business, and we'll be fine. Yeah, I know it's a, it's a real challenge and uh, when you get there. But getting there is a, a 
a really big, big deal. You don't win four consecutive regional championships every day, and you've been able to do that with these ladies. And I know that I know they want to be like the guys and win it every year, but they've had a great, great run as well. And hopefully Amaya and Journey and company will win another state championship for Farmville Central for the girls. I know you guys have a great chance. It's Farmville Central, 27-4, Salisbury 27-1, 12 noon tip-off at the Smith Center coming up. What final thought do you have for your girls? What has to go right for your ladies to win this game? Mindset. Mindset and being focused. Uh, the mindset and being focused is there. Um, I think we'll win the ball game. They come in and start playing around and whatnot. It's going to be a long day for Farmer Central. With less turnovers, rebounds, we'll be fine. Hollis Harper in focus for the uh, championship game, the state 2A championship game for the ladies against Salisbury and Farmville Central. Coach, best of luck for you uh, to you on uh, that trip to Chapel Hill coming up this week, and uh, we're rooting for those ladies to bring back another state championship. Yes, sir. I thank you all, too. All right, Hollis Harper, the uh, Farmville Central girls basketball coach. We'll take another commercial break. Coming up next. Larry Williford joins us. He's the boys' basketball coach at Farmville Central. He's had another great, great year, and he's got his fellas ready to go for a fourth straight state two-way championship. Man, that's a that's a Hall of Fame type deal. Back with Coach Williford after this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities. Community-owned utilities mean local control, low rates, and high reliability. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back to our show. Joining us now from Farmville Central, Larry Williford, the boys coach at Farmville. His Jaguars all set to take on J.M. Robinson coming up on Saturday at the Smith Center. His game will follow the girls' game, so Farmville Central may just pack up on uh, early Saturday morning and head to Chapel Hill and spend the day there. But, Coach, first of all, congratulations on another regional championship. Thank you. Good time in uh, Lee County on Saturday. (laughs) <laughs> How'd you like that trip to Lee County? Because we kind of joked about it, and uh, I don't think it phased many in Farmville. I think they all just said, hey, it is what it is. We'll just pack up and we'll go watch our Jaguars play two and a half hours. But how many times have you ever had to travel further for your regional championship game than for your state championship game? That's a first. But uh, <laughs> I think in, in my career, there's been a lot of firsts. COVID, I mean, you name it. Uh, there's been a lot of wacky stuff happen. So just something you'll look back on and you know luckily we got there and got a win and uh, it was a good great experience obviously the matchup is, is the one we all wanted to see Kinston and Farmville Central and Coach Tindall does a great job with uh, his Kinston Vikings were you surprised that your Jaguars got off to such a great start in that game no I mean we we, we hung our hat on defense and I thought our defense created offense and uh, excuse me Brian it's my alarm let me know I'm supposed to be on the air with you um it, uh, I thought we were outstanding defensively uh, in the first half, and it was creating a lot of easy looks offensively. We knew they were going to make a run. We talked about it at halftime. Um, they're well coached, and, and you saw a, you know, an elite basketball player, you know, put them on their back with uh, Jeremy. What he did, scoring 16 in the fourth quarter. That's why he's going to go to college and, and get his school and paid for. When you look at, at the start of that game, you guys jump out in front 20-8, to eight and then, then you dominated the second quarter as well. That's got to be tough for a coach when you go into the halftime with such a big lead. As you said, you know, we told them they were going to make a run, but it's easier said than done, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we, we, 
I told the guys, I said, look, you know, Coach Tendell's in there challenging their manhood right now to step up. And uh, the first three minutes are going to be very important. And I thought, we, you know, we came out, I think we got it as high as 25, and then they started chipping away at it. And uh, But I, I just didn't think there was enough time on the clock for them to come back. Um, you know, they got it to 12 or 14. I think one time they got it to 9, but we were able to score immediately. Um you know, the biggest thing is not to hit the panic button and try to change anything you've been doing throughout and just try to continue to be the team that we've been through the whole season. Talk about Josh Short a little bit. Obviously, he's uh, he, he battled some injuries this year. He's an outstanding player, scored 26 points in the win over Kinston. What schools are looking at Josh? You know, his recruitment is everywhere. Um, you know, St. John's was in, you know, earlier this season to see him. You know, we've heard from SEC schools, you know, East Carolina, obviously Joe calls, you know, we talk frequently. Um, he's going to have a big summer on the AAU circuit last year with COVID. It, uh, they were, there were he plays with the, the Adidas space team. So on, on their, uh, platform and one of their big tournaments they were going to leave to someone got COVID and they had to shut the whole AAU team down for that tournament. There was two really big ones that would have been big for him where all the coaches would have been at. So uh, going in this year with the buzz he's got around him and, you know, the type of season he's had coming back from the injury, you know, I think it'll be a big summer for him. When you describe what kind of player he is, how do you describe him? Long, athletic, um, you know, he's definitely great in transition, but he's also developed a pull-up jump shot, which has been, you know, something that that, that he needs to add to his arsenal. And I thought uh, there was a couple games that teams have been playing him to go downhill, and he was able to pull up and, and, and hit those jumpers. But he's also a very good basketball player as far as his IQ and knowing who to pass the ball. He's not a selfish basketball player, and he's very good on the defensive end. Speaking of tall and athletic, Taquavion Smith obviously led you guys to three of those state championships. He's not with you this year, and you're still going back to a state championship. But a big day for Terquavion. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but uh, he was named honorable mention All-ACC. I thought he might make the third team because he had such a great season, but there's some great players in the ACC, obviously. He was uh, third in the – this is weird – third in the ACC Freshman of the Year balloting. Uh, Paulo Bancaro finished first. Blake Wesley from Notre Dame was second. Terquavion finished third in that bout. But then in the all-newcomer team for the ACC, the all-rookie team, Bancaro finished first. Uh, Terquavion finished second with 73 votes. Uh, Bancaro had 77. Blake Wesley was third. A.J. Griffin made that squad, as did Trevor Keels, uh, both those players from Duke. So got to be very proud of Terquavion. He's had a heck of a year. The Wolfpack has really struggled, but uh, Terquavion has been their bright spot. No doubt. Um, he's doing the same things at NC State that he did here at Farmville Central. And you know, people. I think early on, they they looked at his frame and they didn't know if he would be able to continue to do those things. But Tequavian has always been the ultimate competitor. When you when you put score and there's a winner loser in anything you do in practice or a game, he wants to win. And everyone talks about being like that, but it's hard to be like that. But he's like that all the time. And uh, I think he's definitely proved his self-worth at that next level. And uh, you know, if he continues doing great things, you'll probably see him getting paid a lot of money to play basketball. 
North Carolina State obviously opens up in the ACC basketball tournament coming up tomorrow. NC State is in one of those early, early games. They've got a long run to make if they're going to make it to the NCAAs, which is unfortunate because uh, Jaquavion's had such a great year. How long do you think he'll stay at State, Coach? I think, I mean, obviously there's there's some buzz about, you know, the NBA mock drafts and his name's getting brought up a lot because he, he can shoot the basketball from an extended range, and I think he showed that this year, whereas here he didn't have to take so many long jump shots because he could get in get in the lane at will. Um, I believe, you know, could he get drafted in the first round this year? Yes. I believe a year from now you might be talking a top ten pick. Um, cause he's really done a great job in the weight room since he's been at NC State. Initially, I thought that might be a, you know, if there's ever an issue your freshman year, getting used to the weight room and cause it changes so much for a high school player to when he gets to college. And, uh, that's one area that, that he, I told him it was going to be the most important area for him. And he's got along great with the strength coach. Uh, they got a great relationship and they've done a great job. I think he's added 14, 15 pounds. You know, if he can do something similar to that, this transition from this year to next year, I think his draft status is going to be very, very high. Yeah, the future is very bright for Terquavion. Congratulations to Terquavion for all the uh, the honors uh, from the ACC from today as they get set for their tournament week. Uh, J.M. Robinson next up with this uh, Farmville Central Bunch. What do you know about Robinson, Coach? You know, strong, athletic team. Uh, got a big guy in the middle, you know, about 6'6", about 240. Um, he's a load. Um Really good point guard that controls the tempo. He, he's a great defensive presence on the court. And anytime you get to this stage in the season, the other team is going to be really good. You know, I mean, I can't say enough good things about them. They're well coached. Um, they've played a quality non-conference schedule. Uh, they've ran through their league like, a, you know, a hot knife through butter. Um, you know, I think they've only had maybe one scare in the playoffs, and that was against Monroe. Uh, we've got our work cut out for us on Saturday. Is it hard? You talk about a scare, and sometimes, you know, when you watch the NCAA tournament, you'll see, you know, a team go through, and most people say, hey, hey you got to get through one scare, you know, to go all the way. And when you look at your ball club, you really haven't had a scare in a while. Do you, do you, is that a concern when you get into a battle like that? No, I, I think because we, we try to schedule so hard, this begins for us in June. You know, for, for the the team that's coming up and scheduling as competitively as possible in June, and, and making sure you're playing teams that are as good as you or better than you, and then carrying that over into the preseason with who you're going to try to scrimmage, and then who you play non-conference. You know, I would rank our non-conference schedule up against anybody in 2A, 3A, 4A basketball as far as who we competed against. And anytime you play in the John Wall. Um, you're playing against marquee, nationally recognized basketball teams. Um, so I, that was how we've always put our emphasis is, is trying to be as competitive as possible in the non-conference as far as who we're going to play. And, and that, you know, that's why we took our three losses was in our non-conference. If you look at who we, who we lost to, Raleigh Millbrook, who got knocked out in the Final Four, who was defending state champions in 4A, where we blew a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. Um, Archbishop Spalding out of Maryland, which is a national powerhouse, and the late Christian's life Christian out of Florida, 
who's traveled all around the world. They're like the barnstorming tour this year. I mean, they've played in every big event from Hoop Hall to the Naismith, you name it, they've been in it. And uh, so I think we've been tested. I think we're ready. Um, there, I don't think anything's going to be thrown at us that we have not seen before. And I think the other thing that's got to be maybe not difficult, but you never want kids to take something for granted. And when you go back and 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 it's never easy, although it looks easy on paper. There's always things you guys had to overcome some injuries. You know that's part of the reason you had you know the struggles in in some of those games that you did lose, and you were losing the outstanding teams. But 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 you never want guys to take it for granted. And I think you do a great job of convincing them that hey, this doesn't happen every year. It doesn't happen anywhere. You know, it's lucky. We it's happened to us, but it's happened to us because we have great talent and we work hard. Well, we've talked about the standard. I don't know if it was your interview last week. I've done some interviews in the last week that, you know, the standard was set before you got here as freshmen. Um, now that some of you guys are seniors, are you going to raise it one more notch? You know, the blessing and the curse of playing basketball at Farmville Central is that in the last you know, eight years, you're, you're defined by whether you're a state champion or not. And so we talked a lot about what the standard is and upholding the standard, and you're playing for a lot of people. But you're also playing for your pride. Every year they, there's someone out there chirping that, that we're not going to get back because we, of who we lost. And uh, I think it's these guys take it personal. Um, they, they have a lot to prove. And, uh, you know, especially our senior guy, you know, he, I mean, he's on a mission, you know, Derek Cox. Just uh, he's playing his best basketball, broke his nose, middle of the year, had to sit out, played with it, then decided to have surgery when we knew he wouldn't have to be out that long, um, and had to, had to play in a mask, and never one time has complained about being in a mask. You know, he's just played his, his, his butt off out there. I had a chance to ask Coach Julie this early in the show, Coach, so I'll run this by before we let you go. But, you know, this weekend with the Duke-Carolina game, the coaches didn't shake hands at one point, and uh, the Duke assistants you know, kind of blew off Hubert Davis. And, and there's been a talk about, you know, Seth Greenberg comes out and says he agrees with Coach Vitale that we shouldn't have handshake lines. You know, I just think that the handshake lines are almost as important a lesson in life as anything you do in sports. What are your thoughts on that? Definitely shake hands. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you at the end of the day, it's the integrity of the game. You know, you're there to compete. But we, we, I think we talked last time about, you know, we got to be better as a society, you know, of what we're teaching our young folk and, and, and how to handle situations and adversity. And, and sometimes things don't go your way. But you got to get up and dust your shoulders off and you got to shake the other team's hand. And that's just the way it goes. And, uh, no, I'm all for continuing to shake hands. And then we will continue at Farmville Central. There you go. Good stuff there. All right, final thought, Coach. What do you guys have to do to beat J.M. Robinson and bring back that fourth straight state championship? Uh, continue to be who we've been. I think we've been a very consistent basketball team where we've got scoring from a lot of different areas. Um, continue to be a you know a great defensive team where we're turning guys over and, and creating easy offense. And then I think we're going to have to have one or two guys come off the bench that might not have played a lot in the playoffs come in and make an impact, whether it be for two minutes, four minutes, or ten minutes. I don't know. And when we harp on that all the time is who's going to be that guy that steps up. I bet the guys enjoy going to the Smith Center, don't they? Yeah, it's, it's a unique experience. It's big. You know, it's actually everyone talked about how loud Reynolds was when we won in 19, but for me as a coach, the, those 
those bleachers at the Smith Center come all the way behind your bench. So when you turn around behind your bench, there's fans literally eight inches from your bench. That was the loudest environment I've ever been in, where you as a coach had no control of the game calling out plays. It was almost like buckle up and the car's either going to get to the beach or you're going to crash. And it was the first time I ever had that feeling that my voice couldn't carry in a facility and I'm a loud guy. Um, so it, it's interesting and we'll talk about it this week and, you know, just excited for our guys and our community. All right, coach. Congratulations on a great season. Got to win one more. J.M. Robinson and Farmville Central 230 tip off in Chapel Hill coming up on Saturday. Thanks so much for your time and good luck this weekend. Thank you, Brian. All right. That's Larry Wilford, the head basketball coach at Farmville Central. What a great double dip for Farmville Central basketball. The girls play first. Guys play after that. Chapel Hill all starts at noon. The boys play in the 2.30 game there. All right. Let's take another commercial break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up this edition of the Brian Bailey Show with Kurt Kraft. He's the East Carolina track coach. He's got some things he wants to talk about, and we'll have that for you coming up after this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities, working for our community, not for shareholders. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back on this busy Monday. Kirk Kraft, East Carolina track coach, joins us now. I had a chance to uh, see him yesterday at the Pirate Baseball game. Again, East Carolina with three big wins over the weekend. But, Coach Kraft, I uh, want to talk a little track today. What, what have you got for us? Absolutely, Brian. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate your support. Uh, what do I have for you? We went to the indoor uh, AAC championships, uh, a little over a week ago, Brian, in right. Birmingham, Alabama. And, uh, the men finished sixth out of seventh. The women finished seventh out of eleven. Um, we had a number of just outstanding performances, uh, on both the men's side and the women's side. Uh, but significantly speaking, we had, uh, two conference champs. Summer Knight was the conference champ in the women's pole vault. Uh, Royal Burris was the conference champ in the 200 meter. Royal was also runner up in the 60. Uh, we had eight all-conference people and all-conferences top three on the podium. Um, we broke two school records. Summer Knight broke her school record in the pole vault, and uh, Brooke Stiff broke her school record in the triple jump. So I could go on and on, but it was a great weekend. I'd like to get with Summer Knight one day and just to go over what all she does with the pole vault because that, to me, is one of the fascinating deals in track and field. And you talked about it last time you were on. There were some things I had no idea that went on with, with the type of pole you use and, and you know just different strategies involved. But I think, I think that that's, that's one of the hardest things you can do in track and field, isn't it? Oh, there's no question, Brian, because it's, uh, I guess the word would be an, uh, unorthodox, if you will. Unorthodox yeah. is, is the word, you know. Uh, it's hard enough for you and I to run in a straight line and do it and do it perfectly. That's right. But let alone run in a straight line, Brian Bailey, and have a uh, a 15 foot pole in your hand <laughs> in a box and then go 15 feet high in the air to go over a bar. Yeah, that ain't gonna happen. Yeah, you're right. No, <laughs> no a lot of people uh, kind of compare pole vaulting, Brian, to NASCAR, uh, to uh, BMX racing. It's it's daredevilish, if you will. Very daredevilish. It's very uh, risky. Um, you know, it's a very, very dangerous event. So if you don't know what you're doing, um, then stay away from the vent. So, yes, Brian, you need to stay away from the pole vault. I will. I'll certainly do that. We won't even talk this summer then. No, we'll talk this summer later on. All right, the NCAA Indoor Championships coming up March 11th? That's correct. And uh, we did not have anybody, unfortunately, that made it to the NCAA Indoor Championships. Okay. Um, so, uh 
now we turn our attention to the outdoor season, Brian. Right. Our first uh, first meet is the Raleigh Relays at the end of March. So right now we're kind of retooling, uh, refreshing, if you will, kind of hit the reset button. Um, hopefully have good, you know, two to three good weeks of practice. Weather like today is absolutely beautiful. So you just hope that the weather's on our side. Uh, get healthy and get ready for outdoor. Okay, you got the Raleigh Relays March 25th, and then you kick off April on April Fool's Day on that Friday with the Bill Carson Invitational. We talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago, but this is very important for uh, for your entire program because this is the one home uh, meet that you get to host, right? That's exactly right, Brian. We're unlike uh, all of our other sports on campus. You know, uh, the traditional sports, the footballs, the basketballs, the baseballs, the lacrosse, the soccers, you have multiple home events. And that's just the way the, the nature of the sport works. But in our case, um, you can't have multiple um, home events just because of the way track and field is set up. Uh, so we have the one home meet. Uh, it's named after Bill Carson, the legendary Bill Carson that was here for many, many years. But that's on April 1st. And second, we hope that people would come out and support us and, uh, and, and the weather hopefully cooperates. And is that a chance for some of the athletes, their families, to come in and, and, and kind of see you know, what all they're up to at, at a home meet like that? And as you said, you know, if we get the word out, maybe folks around town, because you've got a great venue right there. Absolutely, Brian. And that's, I'm glad you brought that up. This, they don't get a chance to compete in front of their parents, in front of their professors, um, in, in front of the hometown crowd like these other sports uh, get a chance to do. So this is the one time. Uh, that these student athletes can invite their professor out, uh, their their parents come here for the weekend. Um, so it is nice that we we can at least uh, be in front of them um, uh, one time during the year. You go from the indoor season to the outdoor season. Does some athletes just fare better indoors, or some fare better outdoors, or is it pretty much the same? You know, Brian, great question. I think that just by the nature of the sport, track and field was made for for outdoor competition. Everything we do indoors. Um, is a little bit strange. You know, you run twice around for the 400. Outside, you run once around for the 400. Um, you know, you throw a weight inside, you throw a hammer outside. Outdoors, you run the 100-meter dash. Indoors, you run the 60-meter dash. So the reason I say that um, is that, you know, track is made for outdoors, but the one thing that is different is, um, you know, the climate. Um, you know, the, there's no wind indoors. There's There's no snow indoors. There's no rain indoors. So the one variable that's consistent indoors is the weather. And the weather can raise all kinds of heck, as you know, uh, with outdoor sports. So that is the one variable that, uh, that is challenging for outdoor track and field. Now, obviously, uh, the entire season builds up to the American Athletic Conference Championships in Houston, Texas. And when you think about the American and track, Houston's right up there, right? Absolutely, Brian. It's no different than any other sport that we uh, compete against Houston in. I don't care if it's men's basketball. As you know, they're one of the top-ranked teams in the country. Uh, their football team is always right up there. Their baseball team is good. So anytime you're talking about the Houston Cougars, um, and that's one of the reasons, obviously, they're going on to the Big 12. Uh, very, very competitive. In a track and field, they are one of the dominant um, teams in our league, if not the country, on the men's side especially. All right, wrapping things up with Kirk Kraft. Coach, what do you want to see out of some of your athletes as you move forward into April and to uh, May and the American Athletic Conference Championships? Yep, you just want to build on it. You want to build on success. You want to build on momentum. You want to build on energy. So we're all about, um, you know, you get one chance for the next five, six weeks, one opportunity over the weekend. So you have to make sure that you're physically and you're mentally ready to run. Um, so you're just hoping that from one week to the next, uh, the hope is that people continue to get better, uh, people continue to improve. But here's the key. you got to stay healthy. If you're not healthy, everything goes out the door. 
Sounds good. Kirk Kraft, the uh, track coach at East Carolina. Thanks so much for joining us, Coach. Maybe we can get you on again later on this spring. Absolutely. I appreciate you, Brian. I'm always here for you. There you go. Coach Kirk Kraft from East Carolina. He's the track coach as we uh, get set to wrap up this edition of the Brian Bailey Show. Man, it's a great time of the year because there's something going on just about every day. The Pirate Ladies play in the tournament in the American Athletic Conference basketball tournament down at Dickey's Arena in Fort Worth, and they play today in a 4 o'clock matchup. So they play at 4 today. Uh, Joe Dooley and his men, they play coming up on Thursday in a 1 o'clock tip-off. Pirate men are a 9 seed, taking on Cincinnati as the eight seed. I want to thank Coach Dooley for joining us today on our show to get us ready for that. I also want to thank Hollis Harper and Larry Williford. Coach Harper, the girls coach at Farmville Central. His ladies take on Salisbury at 27-1 and and they'll play that game at 12 noon on Saturday at the Smith Center. Larry Williford's bunch, they will play J.M. Robinson at 2.30. So it's a double dip of Farmville Central basketball at the Smith Center coming up with state championships on the line in two different games on Saturday afternoon. And I also want to thank Kirk Craft the head track coach in East Carolina for joining us on a busy, busy Monday. I got papers all over the place. You think I did some research on this deal or something? Thanks so much for listening. We certainly appreciate getting your sports week off to a great start. And we'll see you back here next week on The Brian Bailey Show. This has been The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities, and also brought to you by Angus Grill, Bostick Sub Furniture, Bojangles, East Coast Grady, Papa John's, The Gavigan Agency, Pepsi, Seared Chop House, Tap Tap and Hagelin, Tiebreakers, and Greenville Auto World. Join us next week for another edition of The Brian Bailey Show, right here on Pirate Radio.